0: All right, good morning to you again. This is not Genesis, just so you know. Okay. Actually, we're going to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 28, Acts chapter 28. I was going to ask you to turn to Acts chapter 29, Uh, see how many of you actually went there, but of course the text came up too soon, I guess, but uh, that's not his fault. uh, But you'll notice that Acts chapter 28 ends abruptly. It ends with kind of a, a longing to know what's continuing and going on from there, and uh, it ends with Paul, who has been arrested, and he's spent now uh, a couple of years getting to Rome. Ends up in Rome, and he's in a house that's being guarded. Uh, and he is able to receive people that come and go, and basically uh, preaching the gospel to him. And I wanted to talk about this this morning, because as you guys get ready to head out uh, for the next few days, I, we, we trust we'll see each other again in a few days, uh, you know, Lord willing. Uh, but I would say this, that be mindful that you're taking Jesus to people, and you're taking his name with you. Uh, I have to remind myself of that all the time. Everywhere we go, we're ambassadors, aren't we? And we see that with the Apostle Paul, and as you read through the book of Acts, much of it, from about Acts chapter 9 on, focuses on Paul's ministry uh, after his conversion, and then showing up there in Acts 13 as he goes out into his first and missionary journey, and that leads to to two other missionary journeys. And at the end of that third missionary journey, he uh, ends up getting arrested at Jerusalem. Uh, and that puts in play a series of, basically, trials that push him forward towards Rome. And God told him right when he was converted, actually, that uh, he uh, shared that he was a vessel that was chosen. I said, shared that with Ananias and said he was a chosen vessel, vessel that would bear his name even among, to kings. And so we see that here with Paul as he's at Rome, and he's had several opportunities to do that. Uh, Let's open in a word of prayer again this morning, and I want to pray for Steve Wagstaff also. He's battling an infection today, and so he's not feeling well at all and kind of gets laid out real quickly. So we need to pray for him for strength uh, to overcome that. Father, we thank you. Thank you we have the Word of God. Thank you that we can uh, look at it today, this morning, here together. And Lord, I'm mindful of Steve Wagstaff. Thank you for his ministry here. We pray for his strength to recover. And uh, Lord, be with him as he he is in need of healing over this uh, infection that he's prone to. And we just ask God that you'd be with him today. Encourage his heart. And so, Lord, as we open up your word this morning, speak to us. And Lord, may these words be from you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 28, verse 30, it says "And Paul dwelt two years, two whole years, in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. Uh, This concludes the book of Acts, and we've kind of jumped right to the end of the book here this morning. It really concludes the historical record that we have out of the book of Acts also of, of where Paul ended up. Now we know more from his epistles later on as he writes and you can fill in a lot of the details of his time not only on his missionary journeys but also nearing the end of his ministry. Uh, Eventually he ended up, as tradition says, being beheaded at Rome under Nero's reign. Uh, But Paul, at this time in his life, and as this book concludes, we see really a, a pattern of ministry that had been established a long time ago. Actually, the first thing we noticed of him is we see the scope of Paul's ministry. And this is kind of where I want to go with this this morning a little bit. It says that Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house, and he received all that came in unto him. Paul had a ministry, at this point it was people coming to him, as opposed to Paul going out to other people, and he had done both, hadn't he? But really that was a characteristic of this great apostle, this great missionary, as he welcomed people in, and he was constantly ministering to people uh, telling them the gospel, whether they were coming or going. Uh, He wasn't a stranger to doing that. You find that throughout the book of Acts. Acts chapter 9, you see it right away after his conversion. He's with his own people, the Jews, in the synagogue, and he's preaching Christ a little bit later to the Greeks themselves in that same chapter. Eventually, Acts 13, he goes out and he preaches both to the Jews and the Gentiles on that first missionary journey. Act sixteen, you come onto a second missionary journey. You have Lydia and those that were at Thessalonica prior, later on. On that, the Greeks in Athens later on. You have the Philippian jailer that preceded that, also in Act sixteen. You have later on as he's arrested, he he's before uh, Roman officials. He's later before Felix and then Festus and Agrippa. And then he ends up going right to Rome. And in the book of Philippians, in chapter 4, near the end of that chapter, it says, even those in Caesar's own household had believed. And uh, Paul's ministry, the scope of his ministry, encompassed all. I really like that. Because when he started out, of course, as Saul of Tarsus, the scope of his ministry was very limited. He was a rising star in Judaism and he was limited just to Judaistic views and to the exclusion of everyone else. And he was persecuting the early Christians because of that. Paul was a man that realized that every single person that he encountered was a candidate for salvation. And as you go out from this place this afternoon and you're traveling, may you keep that in mind. That Though we're on a, a few days here kind of have a break, that we're bearing Jesus to the people around us. And you may have opportunities, and you will have opportunities to share Christ. Uh, Load up your track rack before you leave, you know. Uh, Take opportunities to talk to your friends and your family. You've been here at school for a number of uh, months now, and you have this opportunity to share with them those different things. Paul was a good character like that, wasn't he? He was somebody that was about the Lord's business and constantly... Uh, doing those things he saw these opportunities and here he dwelt it says in his own hired house he's kind of under house arrest Uh, previous to this said there was a soldier that was with him at all times and he's preaching the kingdom of god teaching those things which concern the lord jesus christ with all confidence not forbidding no man forbidding him Uh, he had great opportunity and he was right in the heart of rome in doing that be on the lookout for opportunities that abound. We see the kind of the not only the scope of Paul's ministry, but the, the scheme or the plan of Paul's ministry. See, he was pointing people to Jesus. That's really at the heart of his ministry. That should be at the heart of our ministry, isn't it? We're pointing people to Jesus, and we should be always pointing people to Jesus. Now, uh, not always do we do that perfectly, I understand that, but that should be our heartbeat. That's what Paul was. He didn't know how many years he'd have left. He didn't know if he would be released. Uh, He didn't know anything like that. But he was able to point people in those last days, those last years of his ministry, uh, to Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful for that. You know, we need to be on the lookout for that. And you see that as a trait shared by the early church. You you find there in, in Acts chapter 8, remember Philip? And he is involved in the Lord's work, and then the Lord directs him down to meet a eunuch who's the Ethiopian eunuch, right? And he shares the gospel with this man. This man gets saved and is baptized. And you have Peter in Acts chapter 3. He's doing that. He stands up there even before that, chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost. He shares Christ with his people, and 3,000 get saved that day. Later in chapter 3 you see him doing the same thing. We see the converts of Stephen in Acts 11 and they're doing that. They're pointing people to Jesus. That ought to be the mark of a healthy church, the healthy group of Christians. And we're headed out here today. We have a tremendous opportunity. Uh, you never know when those opportunities will confront you. Uh, I read an illustration of a man named uh, Ted DeMoss. And Ted DeMoss wrote a number of Christian books uh, became a preacher. But he said in his early days he was an insurance salesman, and one day, I think it was in St. Louis, he was out, he was going uh, to different addresses from people who had sent in response cards uh, in reference to wanting int- you know information on life insurance, and he had a, one of these response cards, and he was going to a certain address, he went to the address and found it up at the top of a, a second floor in an apartment building, and he knocked on the door, and from the other side of the door, he heard this angry voice, said, who is it? And, and he, and he kind of said, it, it, it's, uh, it's the insurance uh, people that, you, you know, you sent a card. My name is Ted. And the guy said, I'm not interested. He said, well, sir, you, you, you sent a card in. <laughs> and uh, I'm here for that, for that reason. And all of a sudden, the door opened like this, and there was this old guy. He was, must have been about 80 years old and his big, long, white beard, and Ted said he looked like Santa Claus, but yet with an angry look on his face. And immediately, he knew as a life insurance salesman that no insurance company would insure a guy who's 80 years old or that looked that age, and, and, and he knew that this was for nothing, probably. And the man said, what do you want? And he said, well, I was just here to talk to you about uh, this card that you sent in and information. The man said, come on in. And Ted went in, and... He realized that he, he couldn't really sell this guy any insurance, and so they're sitting there, and the guy was quite angry with him and kind of hostile. And So the man said, what are you really here for? Well, Ted was a Christian, and he had never really witnessed before to people and not certainly going to their house to do that. And uh, he all of a sudden just felt like, you know, I need to read the Bible with this guy. Uh, he's an older man, and so he said that. He said, sir, I'd like to read the Bible with you. And the man just kind of okay, shook his head a little bit. And then Ted realized he didn't have a Bible with him. (laughs) He said, "Uh, sir, would you have a Bible that we could read together? And uh, the man said, yes, I do. And he went over and he found a a Bible and brought it out. And and Ted went and he, he went to the Gospel of John and he began to read through John chapter 3 and got down to verse 18 and he read the verse, he that believeth in him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And he shared a little more about the gospel and what that meant. And he said, sir, what is stopping you today? You know, wouldn't you like to invite Christ into your life? Wouldn't you like to trust him, repent and trust him and, and become a Christian? And, and, the, and the man said, yes, I would. And he said, well, let's pray together. And the man said, well, wait, wait, wait. He says, I want to I wanna do this with my mother. Now, the man was 80, you know, you know, ish. And Ted thought immediately, well, is this guy, you know, is everything there, Okay. He says, yes, we've got to go in the kitchen. I want to do this with my mother. And he thought, oh, great. He must have a picture of his mother on the wall, and he wanted to pray with her you know, picture present. But sure enough, he went into the kitchen with this guy, and there's an elderly woman in a wheelchair, and she's, she is his mother. She's sitting there. She must be near 100 years old. And this man said, Mom, God sent this man today to tell me to become a Christian. He says, I'm ready to become a Christian. And right there, he prayed. He prayed with his mother. And he prayed with Ted, and his mother, Ted said, you'd never heard a woman scream like this woman. When that boy prayed and asked Christ to save him, she let out a holler, and she said, sir, I've been praying for my son for over 80 years, every day, that he would become a Christian. And today he became a Christian. Wow. You know, you never know those opportunities that await you. And they may not be something you ever intended to as you set out, but they just materialize sort of in front of you. You be about the Lord's business and make sure that you're presenting the gospel as you go and you're ready to do that. As uh, we're commanded in scripture, be ready to give an answer to the hope that is within you, right? That's something that we are, we're told to do. We also see uh, not only this kind of plan, which Paul had, I mean, he was directed in many ways. He would go and strategize. You'd see him go from city to city and teach in certain cities. Some he stayed longer than others, right? He was at Ephesus for a while, almost three years with them in in Corinth and 18 months. Uh, You have different occasions, multiple visits. Uh, Sometimes he'd go out and evangelize, like on his first missionary journey, on the return end of it, he established leaders. There was definitely a planning element of it, but there was also a lot of things that just happened. And you see, that that's what I love about reading through the book of Acts. And what's what I love about being a Christian is that we just don't know what the day will bring and the opportunities that abound to tell people about Jesus and be involved in pointing them to that. Lastly, verse 31, it says, Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus with all confidence, uh, not forbidding uh, or no man forbidding him, and as I look at that, uh, the word concern there, you see it over here. It's the word peri, uh, and it, it means to look around, right? It's, it's, we use like periscope, uh, the same root word today in our English language. And he says he's, he's teaching the things concerning the Lord Jesus. In other words, not just one angle about Jesus, but teaching the whole counsel of God as the time allowed. And you guys have such a great opportunity. So you have, you've sat in all kinds of classes and... You've had opportunity to learn new things, and uh, you are constantly learning new things. We all are, hopefully. And you have a chance to share that with people, right? And you're going to have people, when you land somewhere, ask you, hey, what are you learning? Why are you there at MBBI? Hey, point them to Christ and present who He is. People sometimes have a very narrow perspective of what Christ is all about and what Christians are all about. Show them the full Christ, as Paul did. Those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ, with all confidence. Do you know? You don't have to be ashamed of him, right? Rightly dividing the word of truth, right? A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of the truth. And that's our school verse, right? And we have that opportunity to go out there and to boldly proclaim Christ. And if people laugh at you, so what? If they don't stand with you, so what? But there's a lot of people that they, they like to see somebody who's confident in what they know about Christ and that relationship that you have set with him. Paul had a successful ministry. It seems like everywhere he went, he left a a string of conversions of people whose lives were truly changed. He he planted churches or was used in planting of churches, and and all these little churches sprouted up. and, And today we're the beneficiaries of that work, that early work that was started by the apostles. And many of us who are from European descent, I mean, the gospel first came to Europe by Paul as he goes over into Macedonia in Acts chapter 16 and 17 there. And you have all this going on. Paul later writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and in verse 6, he says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. I think the secret of Paul's success is he never thought too highly of himself. And I am marvel at, again, the weak vessels that God uses and those encounters. And I commend you, students, for even the activities this week in your Christian service, uh, your evangelism times that have gone out this week and weeks prior, uh, your ministries of... Some of you were singing for the Lord. All those different things that you have, those encounters with people. And... God is the one who brings the increase. Remember that. Never think that it's all about us, because it isn't. God could do this much better if sometimes I wasn't even in the way, you know. Uh, But God still uses us, doesn't he? And it's great. So then, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Uh, I love that. That tells us exactly the way Paul saw ministry. He saw it as a team effort, not just an individual effort. And you know what? You're destined to fail, and your ministry is destined to fail, really, if it isn't a team effort. Ultimately, God being the one who's bringing the increase, isn't it? Paul had a good example of that and was somebody that... uh, you know, took time to witness to people. He says, and Peter says in 1 Peter 3.15, he says, "...but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear." And then he says in verse 16, "...having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ." There were times when Paul was falsely accused. Actually, he ends up in this situation in Rome because he's been falsely accused of stirring up trouble on the Temple Mount years before this, when he was at the end of his first missionary or third missionary journey. He goes to celebrate the Passover. He goes to deliver an offering that had been taken up by the other churches to the poor church in Jerusalem. And As he goes there, people accuse him sort of second-hand, third-hand, that he had brought Gentiles up onto the Temple Mount where they weren't allowed, past that court of the Gentiles. And because of that, he was brought before the Roman magistrates because he was inciting a riot. Well, the Jews got mad at him is what it was. They knew who he was. He was that, according to the book of Acts, backing up into chapter 23 and chapter 24, he's that Jew that was causing trouble in all the synagogues. (laughs) They looked at him as the man that was stirring up trouble in the whole Jewish world, all out, you know, these different countries. They knew who he was. And they falsely accused him, and he ends up going before the Romans, and then in that system they they protect him in some ways, but he had to appeal to Caesar as a Roman citizen, and that brings with it a process whereby he had to go to Rome, uh, arrested. You end up with people like Felix in Acts 24 who kept Paul for convenience sake, kept him bound for two years, didn't want to have him you know, freed because he was afraid of what the, the people would think, the Jews would think. He was a politician uh, and he was hoping that someone would come and bribe him, the him for Paul. Uh, you read of all of that and Paul ends up in prison but Paul knows because Jesus has told him prior to that, uh, told him directly that you're going to bear my name before people at Rome and you'll go there. Paul was good about that. He constantly kept vigil and watch for the opportunities to arise uh, as they presented themselves. Back up there to Acts 28 and verse 31. He says, Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. I want to close this today with, with just this illustration uh, i came across of bobby richardson he was uh, an interesting character he's still around but uh, bobby richardson in the 1962 world series you had the san francisco giants and the new york yankees facing off and it was one of the closest world series you know in history as far as matched on either side and it came down to the seventh game and actually history reveals the new york yankees won in the seventh uh, you know, and, the, and it went full nine innings, but they, uh, they won by one run, scored in the fifth. And towards nearing the end of the game, the Yanks decided to change pitchers. And Bobby Richardson, who was a believer and he was on second base, by the way, he caught the winning out for the Yanks. Uh, a line drive went right to him and, and he ended up uh, catching it and uh, scored the last out in the last game of that World Series for the Yanks. So he came out, you know, well known for that event. Uh, but very interesting thing that took place while the Yanks were changing out pictures, the relief pitcher came in and he was he was warming up. And Bobby Richardson realized there was a great opportunity here. You see, the bases were loaded, and there was a New York, or excuse me, a San Francisco Giants player on second base. And Richardson went over to him, and while they were waiting, he witnessed to him told him the gospel. Well, that inning was over, and as that runner went into the dugout, he looked up one of his own teammates who was a Christian, Felipe Alou, uh, originally from the Dominican Republic, and he said this. He said, what is with you Christians? Even in the seventh game of the World Series, you guys are still telling people about Jesus. (laughs) You know what? That didn't make the sports news. That isn't in the articles you'll find on that World Series. But, you know, that is the heart of a Christian. Because he was more concerned about a guy standing on second base in the seventh game of the World Series who was on the opposing team about that man's soul, his condition eternally, than he was about a game. Guys, we're in this together. And we need to make sure that we're bearing Jesus to the nations and to the people around us, but that starts with people sometimes right close to us. So as you leave this, this afternoon and head off in various directions and end up, some of you will be staying with each other and with guests and, hey, remember, point people to him. You can't go wrong, can you? Let's pray. Our Father, we're thankful today for these illustrations and I think of uh, the life of Paul and others that are found in Scripture that show us a great pattern of pointing people to Christ. Lord, we want to have a successful ministry, but not for our sake, but for yours. And Lord, we don't need our names on anything. We need your name, though. We know you're the one that brings the increase. And I would pray this morning as we get ready to wrap up this day and students head out in their various uh, places, and a staff goes out as well, Lord, we would bear Jesus to people looking for those opportunities and being delighted in those opportunities when they arise to point people to Christ, to teach them the things concerning Him. We thank You for this. We thank You that people took time for that with us, and Lord, we're really here today because of that. So, we ask for Your journeying mercies today, and may we hear great things accomplished for your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.